Ephesians chapter 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past you walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we also among whom also we all had our conversation in the times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, wherein His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Him, with Christ." By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. I believe I'll stop there for now. But I'd like to think about this little phrase in verse number 4, but God. So verse number 1, 2, and 3 shows us the condition of man. And I just want to walk down through this just just for a minute or two, and I want you to really think on the condition that man is in. Verse number one, man is dead. Is there anything that man can do when he's dead? Is there any more hopeless or helpless condition than dead? You know, tonight... As we mentioned, Anthony's friend, he's still alive. Maybe, if it could be, peradventure, God could grant repentance. But if there are dead, is there any hope? The truth is, folks, this is the condition of all mankind without a regenerating work of God and salvation. Man is dead spiritually. That is his condition. Look on through the verse with me. Verse number 2. So the Word of God says this, Where in time past we walk. So here is man's direction. Where is man heading? Man is heading in the direction that the rest of the lost world is heading in. You and I that are saved, that was the direction we were heading. We were dead. And, and you say, well, how in the world can somebody that's dead be walking? We were walking dead men. Naturally speaking, we were walking. Spiritually speaking, we were dead walking in the direction of the rest of the world. Look at it. Where in the time past we walked according to the course of this world. Where is the world headed? I believe even you today that are saved, you would say the world as a whole is headed away from God, is headed to hell, is headed into eternal and everlasting destruction. That's where man is without a regeneration, without a work of God in the heart, in the soul. Man is going in the direction of hell. And listen what the Bible says. According, we were walking according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Whose control were we under? The devil. We were headed to hell under the direction 
following the world under the direction of the devil. Listen farther, verse number 4. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So there's our nature, isn't it? Our nature is to have a nature of disobedience. Disobedient to who? To the world system? Oh no, we were walking in that direction. We were walking in that manner. We were under the control and under the leadership of the devil. But what we were we? We're in, we were in disobedience unto God. You know what God said to Adam the day that you disobey? Preacher, he didn't say that. He said the day that you eat. Could I say it in a different manner? Could I say in the day that you disobey, you're going to die? Where is our world today? Where is man? He is in disobedience unto God. A little farther, verse 3. I'm sorry, I said that before. Among whom we all had our conversation. So our behavior and our disposition was in a manner and in a lifestyle that we were following the lust of the flesh. And, and notice this, that it was the lust of the flesh, the desires of the natural man, fleshly speaking, and also the flesh in the mind. We were following the direction of the mind. Is the mind fallen? The mind is fallen as well. Jesus brought it down to this. I believe the Pharisees prided themselves in not being an extortioner, not being a murderer, not being an adulteress. Jesus said, have you hated your brother without a cause? You're a murderer. Have you looked on a woman and lusted after her? You're an adulterer. You know what He brought it to? He brought it to the mind. So how are we today? We're without God. We're headed to hell. We're following the world under the leadership of the devil, under the, uh, under, the, under the desires. You know what my desire is? My desire is wickedness. My desire is ungodliness. My desire is to rebel against God. That's your desire too. It is. You may say, well, I'm a good person. <laughs> no. No, I tell you what, you may hide, you may hide what you think in your mind and the way you really feel. You may keep that hid pretty well, but it's not hid from God. Your hatred, your desire, your disposition, you are dead in trespasses and sin. And that is the situation, that is where man is overall, but God. My goodness, if it wasn't for but God. I want to read you just a few verses of but God. First one I'm going to read is in Genesis chapter number 50. Genesis chapter number 50, a very familiar scripture. I'm sure you'll recognize it as soon as we start reading it. And Joseph is talking. Joseph in chapter number 50 this is what the Bible says. Verse 20. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God. <laughs> what happened? God intervened. Isn't it wonderful that we, dead, going under the leadership and the direction of the devil, 
on our way to hell, following the desires of the flesh, but God intervened. But God intervened when, when they wanted to kill Him. When they was going to throw Him in a pit and leave Him, but God intervened. The Ishmaelites come down the road about that time. Wonder who brought that about. Wonder who brought it about that the Ishmaelites would come down the road right when they was getting ready to throw Joseph in the pit. I wonder whose mind said, why don't we sell him? You know, we'll be innocent if we don't kill him. If we just sell him, we won't be as guilty. I tell you what was going on, but God. But God was intervening. God was working in the midst. 1 Samuel chapter 23, 1 Samuel 23 verse 14. And David abode in the wilderness in the strongholds and remained in the mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. Would Saul have killed him? He would have killed him. He would have thrown a javelin and run it through him and pinned it to the wall. And David between the two. But God, if it wasn't for but God, you'd be lost and on your way to hell. And if you are lost and undone today, but for the intervention of God, you shall lift your eyes in hell. Thank God for the but God of His intervening. Listen to Psalm number 73. Psalm 73 and verse number 26. The psalmist said, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forevermore. Hosea chapter number 13, a very beautiful verse. O Israel, 13 and 9. O Israel, now who are they? These are God's favorite. These are God's chosen. These are the people that have had the Word of God and had the opportunities that nobody else in all of the world, at the time Hosea was written, nobody else had their opportunity. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. Do you know that that's true of every man, every woman, every boy? That you have destroyed yourself. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. Though man is rebelling against God, though man is in hatred to God, though man is going away from God, though man rejects and goes away from the light, though man loves darkness and hates the light, but God, thank God that He would come in spite of our rebellion, in spite of our hatred, in spite of our destroying our own selves, God. Intervened. Jonah chapter number 2. Jonah chapter number 2, verse 6. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet, that's the same word that's translated but in Ephesians chapter number 4. Same, same use. But... 
Yet hast thou brought me, brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. But God brought me up from corruption. Matthew chapter number 19. Are there many that be saved, Lord? Chapter 19. It looks impossible. A rich man, I mean, they thought the rich man, he's a shoe-in, he's going to heaven. God's blessed him. That's what people think in Laodicea, wasn't it? Wasn't that what people thought in Laodicea this morning? But you know what God said? I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I counsel thee that you might put I save, anoint your eyes with I save. Uh, chapter 19 and verse number 26 in the book of Matthew. But Jesus beheld them, and He said, With men, they said, Who can be saved, Lord? Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men, this is impossible. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. Would you say that it's impossible for man to get to heaven? Would you say that man has no desire to get to heaven? Would you say that man has no willingness nor ability to get to heaven? That man is dead in trespasses and sin under the control of the devil, under the control of the strong man, has no desire nor ability to get to heaven but God. You're saved today, as Chris said earlier, but God. Thank God that but God intervened. Another time or two, Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter number 3, verse 14, but you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and kill the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. You know, that's really what's going on in Ephesians chapter 2. He's bringing us back to chapter 1 and saying the power that worketh in you is that same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. 7 and 9 in the book of Acts. Chapter 7, And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. He went into the prison, but God was with him. He was at Potiphar's house, but God... You say, preacher, God wasn't with him at Potiphar's house. Oh yes, God was with him at Potiphar's house. Though she lied and though he went to prison... God was with him. But God, but God, the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Egypt, but God was with him and delivered him. Isn't that wonderful? Not just God was with him. You know, it's not just that God was around. It's not just that God is omnipresent, but God was with him and God delivered him. That happened for me. That happened for you if you're saved. Not only was God omnipresent with us, but God delivered us. Again, I ask you to please think on the condition 
that you were really in. So Ephesians chapter 2, we're dead, we're following the world, we're following the devil, we're following our desires, we're headed to hell, but God. So listen, listen to what the Bible says. Chapter 1, verse number 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling, the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saint, and what is the exceeding greatness, the exceeding, I'm sorry, exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe. Now I ask you this, how did you believe? How was it that you believed when you were under the power of the devil, going away from God, dead in your sins, no ability and no desire to come to God, how did you believe? It was the great power of God. Listen farther. The great power to usward who believe. You know, I think a lot of folks, I want to I look at Romans chapter 1 for just a moment. Romans chapter 1, I believe this is used so wrongly over and over and over again. Romans chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So you know what it is? If I'll believe, this power of God can raise me. If I'll believe, I can be saved. That's not the way you need to believe it. The way you need to understand that is it's the power of God that causes you to believe. It's the power of God that brings you to believe. You are dead. You have to be regenerated. It's the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead that is working in you that you might be a believer. It's the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead that's working in you. Folks, Let's get settled on this. Verse 19, chapter 1. I want you to understand, verse 18, I want you to understand the great power that's working, the mighty power that's working, and that the exceeding greatness of His power to usward. Now listen, I didn't come to believe being dead and going away and under the control of the devil and loving darkness, I didn't believe on my own. It was that great power of God, the same, and He's given us a, 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 an instance, an example. The power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is the power of God that caused you to be regenerated and giving you a desire to be saved where you never had a desire or the ability to be saved before. It was but God. It was I was lost and going to hell, but God. But God intervened. But Jesus was laying in the tomb. He had the sins of the whole world upon Him. He had my sin and your sin, and He was surely, surely dead, 
But God raised him from the dead, and the same power of God that raised him from the dead worketh in you. You see, if it wasn't for but God, we'd still be on our way to hell. So we need to understand this. Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to everyone that believeth. Now here I am lost and undone, under the control of the devil. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Does God not have to do a work in me first before I can believe? I don't believe first. God has to do a work first. If if I can believe first, why do I need God? Why do I need the Gospel? Why do I need the power of the Holy Spirit if I'm able to believe without Him raising me from the dead? What is the work of the Holy Ghost if I can believe without Him bringing me to regeneration. I want, I want you to understand, and I don't want to misrepresent it. Read with me one more time. Ephesians 1, <coughs> verse 18. I'm praying the eyes of your understanding being lightened, that you being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saint, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe. Now listen, folks. To those that don't believe, that same power has not been manifested to them. If that same power had been manifested to them, they would believe. To usward who believe. Let me, let me explain to you, chapter 2, the condition you were in and what God did to bring you to be a believer. In time. In time. It's already done, chapter 1, verse number 3 and following. It's already done in the mind of God. But in time, I have to come to that. Jesus died in time. But in eternity past, He was slain before the foundation of the world. Isn't that true? But He died in time. He said He chose us before the foundation of the world. But you and I were saved and come to the knowledge of salvation, come to the knowledge of our sin, come to the place that God did a work in our heart and brought us to the realization of our condition in time. For me, 1983. What about for you? The year might not be the same, but if you're saved, it's the same process. And what is the... I want you to understand what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe. According to depending upon, in conformity with, in agreement with, consistent with, 
the working of His mighty power, which He wrought, which He worked in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand. Now, He's going to make a little detour right here at the latter part of that verse through the end of the chapter. But if I could read it like this, and you could go with me. Verse 19, verse 20, which He wrought, which He worked in Christ. I want you to understand that that work that God did in Christ, it's that same kind of work that He did in you. He is the example. What He did in Christ is the example of what He does in the believer. He raised Christ from the dead. Listen, please bear with me. Which He wrought, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. Comma. And you hath He quickened who were dead. (laughs) You see the thought? You see how the thought goes? We're saved. We're children of God. How did that happen? It happened through the same work and the operation of God as He raised Jesus Christ from the dead by the power of God. He hath quickened you and I. He's brought us to life who were dead. We were on the road to hell. We were following the devil. We, 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 we were following our desires. We were following uh, 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 the, the things of this world. We were headed down, 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 down. But God! Thank God, but God! You see, if He hadn't intervened, we, everyone, would have continued down that road of rebellion and died in our sins. And I say this, not intervened in that He sent Jesus. Intervened that He sent Jesus, raised Him from the dead, and intervened that He brought a realization through the Word of God and the work of the Holy Ghost to you as an individual. He had to intervene in you. You're not saved if He's not done that. And I believe the reason there is so little praise, so little glory to God, is because real salvation has not come to a multitude of church people. And the reason real salvation has not come to a multitude of church people is because verse 1, 2, and 3 has never been realized. You have never realized your true condition before God. Before God, you're dead. Right now, if you're unsaved, right now, before God, you're as good as dead. The way God views you right now is you are already condemned to hell. There's more Scripture to back that up than just what I'm saying. But when you realize the condition you're in, and but God would intervene, You talk about praise and honor and glory to the One that saved you, that that ransomed you, that brought you out of the hands of Satan, that brought you to a reality. I tell you, friend, in a second, in a moment, in a twinkle of an eye, God brought me from a man who was just fine to a man that was going to hell just as quickly as you could snap your finger. God did that work in me. I needed a Savior. 
I had never needed a Savior. I had never wanted a Savior. I had no desire to be a part of the church, to be a part of the family. As far as I was concerned, I was going to heaven and I didn't need anybody to help me. I was a lost man under the deception of the devil himself. And until God reveals verse 1, 2, and 3 out of chapter 2 to you, you shall continue on down the road to hell at breakneck speed, as our brother said earlier. And friend, you shall lift your eyes in hell if God doesn't intervene. We ought to be praying. I mean, we ought to be praying with everything in us that God would enlighten and open the eyes of our families and our people to their true spiritual condition. I read just earlier today that Scripture where Jesus went down to Simon's house and Simon the Pharisee invited him to come down. And there was a woman there who was an exceeding sinner, who was a notorious sinner. And that woman wiped Jesus' feet with the hair of her head, with the tears that come out of her eyes, and with the oil that she had in her alabaster box. And Simon had absolutely nothing for the Lord Jesus Christ. The difference in the two as one was forgiven and one was self-righteous. One saw her need and one saw she was lost and on the road to hell and one saw she was a sinner and one said, I'm good enough. That's the difference. The reason there's a difference in the spirit of people in the church house is but the difference is whether God's in it or not. The difference is whether God has intervened. But God... So I, 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 want, I want to look at a few places. But I want you to think about this. This word means this. And you know, I, I, I'm, I'm terrible at English. I've always been terrible at English. I was multitudes better at math, but terrible at English. But this is what, the, what it says. But a coordinating conjunction linking two thoughts together. So here's the thought. Man is hopeless. Man is helpless. Man is on his way to hell. But, let's put that together. Thank God for that little but in there. That God, but God, here is hopeless, helpless man on his way to hell, but God. Isn't it wonderful that God intervened? If God had not intervened, do you know what? There would be no conjunction here. There would be no joining here. If it wasn't for but God, there would be no joining of the sinner with the Savior. There would be no joining of the sinner to heaven. There would be no joining of those that follow the devil and follow the desires. There would be no joining of us with the rest of the family of God. But God... But God, thank God for that joining, for that conjunction, that bringing, that linking those two thoughts together, but God. So maybe you could read with me in a few places. Verse number 12 in this same chapter, Ephesians 2. That at that time, where were we? That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel... 
You know who had the, had the gospel? You know who had the law? Who had the books of Moses? Israel only. Israel only. Nobody else had it. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, we were hopeless, folks. There was no hope for man. There was no hope for man, period. The heaven was searched, the earth was searched, beneath the earth was searched. He said in Ezekiel, I look for a man to stand in the gap. I look for someone to make up the hedge and there was no man. But you know what happened? But God. But God said, I'll go. Jesus said, I'll go. God said, I'll give my life. You say, preacher, that was Jesus. That wasn't God. That was God in the flesh. That was God incarnate. That was God. It was God who intervened upon my behalf and your behalf that we sinners on the road to hell could be reconciled unto God. But God. And times past we were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers from the covenants of promise. You know, here's the pitiful thing. If we'd had the covenants, if we'd had the covenant, the Mosaic covenant, we couldn't have lived up to it. You know what we need? We need the Abrahamic covenant. We need that covenant that's by faith. We need that covenant when Abraham and God made a covenant. Abraham was in a deep sleep and God walked down through it and you know what He said He'll do? He said, I'll take care of my part and your part too, Abraham. I'll tell you what God did. God made a covenant. And where was Abraham? He was asleep. God, the Bible said God caused a deep sleep to fall on him. That's the only covenant that we can have any hope in is the covenant of faith. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But, but now in Christ, you who were sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You know what happened there? But God. But God intervened. But God sent His Son. Here we were without any hope on the road to hell outside of the covenants of promise outside of the commonwealth of Israel but God. Thank the Lord for His intervention. So maybe we'll read a few scriptures. Read with me in Romans chapter number 4. A, a beautiful scripture in my opinion. Oh. Beautiful. I know it's all beautiful, but what a beautiful Scripture. So here's Abraham, who is the father of us all. Chapter 4, verse number 17. And as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before whom, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead. Isn't that what's happening in Ephesians? Isn't that what happened to Jesus? Wasn't He quickened by the power of God? Weren't you and I quickened by the power of God? Well, I, want you to, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss what God did for Abraham and also for Sarah. At 86 years old, Abraham still had seed. 
At 99, Abraham didn't have any seed. Sarah didn't have any eggs. But God, I tell you what He did? He called that that was not as though it were. God did that. A dead man and a dead woman brought forth a live son and brought forth an Isaac. But God, I got a little excited before I read it, but listen to it. <laughs> Who against hope? <laughs> hopeless. The truth is, Abraham was hopeless. As far as the natural man is concerned, Abraham doesn't have any seed. He's 99 years old. Uh, Isaac is absolutely hopeless. But God... Thank the Lord, I tell you, I was hopeless. I was on the road to hell, Larry, just like you were. But God, thank God, the Lord intervened. I was hopeless to ever be accepted with God, but God. Verse 18, verse 17. Before whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which are, which be not, as though they were. <laughs> Can God do that? Now let me ask you, what input, what input is Abraham God? I believe we can see through the natural His hopelessness and through the natural we can see the spiritual implication that He's dead. Ephesians said we were dead. Abraham is dead. And being not weak in faith, preacher, that's it right now, he believed God. Who gives faith? Where does faith come from? It's a gift of God. Who gave Abraham the faith to believe God? God gave Abraham the faith, though he's a dead man, and though God calls that that is not as though it were. He's dead. Who against hope believed in hope. That he might be the father who against any expectation had an expectation through God. In his self, in his flesh, in his wife, he had no hope, no certain expectation. But against that natural, certain, no expectation... He believed in an expectation brought about by God. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seeds be. Who against hope believed in hope that he might that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead 
when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Who did this work? This is a but God moment. That's what this is. This is a but God time. This is a but God work. So go with me to chapter 5 in the book of Romans. Chapter 5, verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now I want you to please, please make a note of this. Christ died for the ungodly. Verse, I'm going to skip, I'm going to skip number seven just, just to maybe help us a little. But God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Who is it? Who is it that's saved? Who's justified? The ungodly. Don't miss, don't miss that. He came to save sinners. He didn't come to save the righteous. He came to save sinners. So, verse, verse 5, one more time. Let's walk down through it one more time. And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given us. And when, when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Justified. Verse number 9, we're justified. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, peradventure for a good man would one even die. But God commendeth, God proved, God put on exhibit His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If it had not been for but God, there would have been no hope. There would have been no hope whatsoever. Go with me to chapter number 8. Chapter 8, verse 3. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending His only Son, His own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the, after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do the mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit... You know what he's talking about? He's talking about a birth, a new birth. So my birth from the flesh, my natural birth from the flesh follows chapter 2, verse 1, 2, 3. Following the world, following the desires, following the devil, following in that manner. I'm going in that direction. But if you're born again, if you're born of the Spirit, how can you be born of the Spirit? Now listen, 
For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What did he say to Nicodemus? Nicodemus said, Lord, I'm going to enter into my mother's womb. No, Nicodemus, you're talking about flesh. There's a distinction between the two, Nicodemus. That that is born of flesh will always be flesh. And that that is born from above, that that is born of God, that that is regenerated, that new birth, that comes from God. How can that happen? But God must intervene. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is neither subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now can you see this, folks? Please reason with me right here. Reason with the Scripture. Let the Scripture reason with you. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You can never please God until there is a new birth. You know what pleases God? Belief. Faith. But how can a dead man who is under the control of the devil, under the strong man now, following the world, following the desires, who is dead toward God, how can that man believe the things of God? There has to be a new birth. But God, but if God doesn't intervene, there's no hope for you. Chapter, chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3, that's where man is. But God, thank God for the but God that He intervened. Because if He had not intervened, if He had not done a work in my heart, and listen, He did that work in my heart through the preaching of the Gospel, and as was read by our brother, by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Born, birth, a new birth by the Spirit of God. That power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, that was the same power of God that brought you and I to a place of a realization of our need for a Savior. Truth is, folks, until you come under under condemnation, come under conviction, you didn't need a Savior. I don't mean that literally. I mean you needed a Savior, but in your mind you did not. Until God did a work in you, you had no need to come to an altar and repent and beg God to forgive you. You had no need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ dying on the cross. You had no need for that because there had been no revelation of your true condition before God. And you know, there's folks here tonight that are just here. They're not listening. Their minds are other places. But the only way that I'll ever be saved is to hear the Word of God and the work of God be done in my heart by the work of the Holy Spirit. That same work that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, He did in me. And if you are saved, He did in you. So... Listen. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit, he is none. He is a Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, 
The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. There's our condition, and God intervened. A little bit, a little bit more. First uh, Timothy, First Timothy, Paul's. What a statement that Paul makes, and you know we've looked at this maybe a lot of times. But Paul says in verse chapter, First Timothy, chapter number one, and I thank God, verse twelve. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that He counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. Who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. What happened to Paul? But God... Go with me to go with me to Acts chapter five or chapter nine. Look with me, please. Chapter nine, verse three. He's going to Damascus, going to throw him in prison, going to hell him to the judge, going to kill him possibly. Verse three, Acts nine three. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly, what happened? But God showed up. He's headed to destroy the church, but God showed up. (laughs) Isn't that something? You know, it's amazing, isn't it? When God shows up, it's it's not a gradual getting better. I tell you, when God shows up, it's suddenly God shows up. Paul's on his way to Damascus, and suddenly, God said, Saul, Saul, Why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Go on with me a little farther. Verse 11. Here's God again. So Paul's seen a vision in verse number 10, a man named Ananias coming to help him. Verse 11, And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go to the street which is called Straight. Inquire the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Paul has been three days and three nights with no food, no water, praying. I believe that when uh, uh, Paul says about being in a terror, knowing the terror of the Lord, that's my opinion. I believe this was it. He has persecuted the church. He has blasphemed and run down the church and and destroyed and, and is trying to snuff out the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Three days and three nights. Would you think, could it be possible that Paul thinks I'm going to die like this? My God, what guilt. What terror is on this man. What conviction and guilt is on this man. Then Ananias said, Lord, I've heard many things about this man. How much evil he has done to the saints at Jerusalem. And hear how he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. 
But the Lord said, <laughs> ain't that wonderful? But God said, Ananias, he's a chosen vessel unto me. You go down there and lay your hands on him and pray with him. And I tell you what's going to happen. Ananias is going to lay on his hands on him and the scales is going to fall off of Paul's eyes. And But God intervened. And if God had not intervened in my life and your life, I'd be on my way or I'd be in hell right now. It's the truth. You might not believe it, but I believe it's the truth. Verse number 18, Ananias said, The Lord appeared to me. Did, did God intervene in Ananias' life? Did he want to go? Was he afraid to go? I believe he was. But God... But God convinced him. And when he goes, he lays his hands on him, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately, wonder what happened here. I mean, he's been three days and three nights praying, no doubt begging God for mercy. Our friend praying with no food and no water. And suddenly, I believe it must have been but God intervened. I believe it must be that but God caused the scales to fall off of his eyes. So, maybe, maybe one more Scripture and, and I'll hush. Galatians. Even so we, chapter 4, verse 3, Galatians chapter 4, verse 3. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. My, 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 what a shape I was in. What a condition that I was in. Led by the world, led by the devil, by the nap of the neck and by my nose. Led, led right down the road to hell. And you know what? As Chris said earlier, I was enjoying it. I was going at breakneck speed. I was following and doing exactly what I wanted to do with no realization that I was going to end up in hell. But God. We were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, but... But when the fullness of time was come, God... You know, I could say, but God sent forth His Son. Couldn't I say that? But God. We were enemies. We were aliens. We were out of the covenant. We were on our way to hell. We were enjoying it. We were following the desires and the direction of the flesh, following the leadership of the devil. But God, in the fullness of time, was come. God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them. He ransomed them that were under the law that they, that we might receive, that we might be destined, that we might get what was due as adopted sons. Thank God I'm in the family because of but God. And if you never realize the condition of verse 1, 2, and 3, you will never need the but God, will you? You'll never need His great mercy and exceeding love. You'll, though you do need it, 
you have no realization of it in your heart. But it was God who brought me to verse 1, 2, and 3. It was God who convinced me I was a sinner. It was God who showed me I was on my way to hell. It was God who showed me I was following the leadership and the direction of the devil. It was God. But God, how beautiful. 